Hello, you're on Radio FM 88, it's 7 o'clock here in Queensland, it's 9 o'clock in New Zealand, and 10 o'clock to our UK friends and acquaintances, and um, my name's Jeff Shaw, and uh, I work closely with uh, Julia Chai in the studios here, and um, the other beautiful lady on the other side is Mary Rodwell, and it was Julia who um, discovered her, I've known I've known Mary on the sidelines before, but to uh, actually face to face, this is fantastic. This is um, Australia's version of um, Professor Heineck and Project Blue Book. You've been watching SBS. This is our, this is our lady. This is our researcher. We claim her, <laughs> even though she may have come from England. She's Australian, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <clears throat> Mary, is that a, a great introduction? For what? <laughs> Jeff, I think that's the best one I've ever had. Cheers. Right. Okay, so where do you want to start, Julia? Yeah. yeah. Welcome, everyone that's listening and watching, and um, and Mary as well, and hello, Elizabeth, who's checked in as well, and all the other audience. We are excited to have Mary Rodwell on our show, and the reason we invited her is because she has spent, like, 15 years plus talking to over 3,000 people, families, professionals who are, um, who remember or have memories, have access memories of intergalactic contact. And both Jeff and I are Star Wars, Star Trek fans. I'm more of a Star Wars, you guys are more Star Trek. But um, we just love this and um, it's welcome, Mary. So perhaps Jeff's just flashed a copy of your book, The New Human. So I guess we should start with that. Mary, you've titled the book The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage, and I'm obviously reading this out because we also have radio show listeners. So what made you decide to go for that title on that book, Mary? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's certainly something I never thought when I got into this so, uh, 25 years ago that I'd be writing a book like that, particularly with that kind of title. But one of the things with all the research that I've done is that I noticed that for many people who have encounters, it's intergenerational. And what that means, of course, is if you, you have someone come, um, the siblings might be having experiences, mum and mum or dad or both, grandparents, but also the children. And what I saw was what appeared to be an upgrade of awareness with each generation. And that is why I'm calling it the new human, because it seems to be that whoever is interacting with us, and there's many different civilizations, I believe, that are, that have um, a connection to us, they seem to be, in a way, activating or upgrading us as a species. And that has come through all the research that I've done to date. So I'm just getting used to the idea of being a species in a Petri dish. <laughs> experimented on over a couple, couple of generations. <laughs> so what, what, what led you to conclude that? And, you know, you, you worked with a lot of people and you've been analytical about it. You're head of a research and direct, director of a sort of institute. So just, just run us through um, probably the facts, the different cases that you've looked at and you know, what the trends are that you sort of see in there. Dude, that's a tough question. That, that, it's, Mary, this is a huge <laughs> subject, isn't it? It's, She's got a lot of mind. 
bottom line is it is so complex. And when I first was brought into this, for me, I thought it was very rare. And the first gentleman that came to see me over 25 years ago now, his name's Ellis Taylor. He lives in England. He's an author himself now. But he came to me and he said this. He said, Mary, I've heard you're open-minded. He said, there's no support groups for this. For this, they just think you're a loony. And that was his introduction to me. And then he said, I wake up with marks on my body. The family's having experiences. The rallies won't come to the house because they think it's demons. And can you help? Well, that's a pretty big mandate considering, you know, I've never come across this apart from the fact that I'm a, I'm an eclectic reader. And if a, a book is weird and wonderful, I probably, you know, if there's anything weird and wonderful in, in uh, our human condition, I've usually got a book on it. And fortunately, I'd read a couple of books that gave me the heads up. And that was literally within a few weeks of meeting Ellis. And one of them was Abduction by Dr. John Mack, who was a former professor of psychiatry at Harvard University who wrote Abduction, Human Encounters with Aliens. He came in as a skeptic. He, came, he finished the book and wrote another one saying he absolutely believed them. There was no psychological illness. After all, his credentials were pretty high. And on top of that, I read a book called Communion by, Dr., uh, by Whitley Strieber, an experiencer. Everyone who's uh, in ufology knows of Whitley Strieber and his classic book, Communion, with the alien face on it. I'd read those purely out of um, interest and never thought in a million years I'd meet anyone who had these experiences until Ellis walked through the door. But literally within a fortnight, another lady came through the door and said a similar thing to me. And then it was, it continued from that time. I mean, literally I met a social worker that was having experiences and we started an abduction support group. And the first time we had one, we had 12 people turn up literally 12 people. And then that just, grew. I never in a million years thought I would be doing what I'm doing now, which is traveling the world talking about aliens. I really did not. My main aim initially was to provide counseling and support because whatever it was they were experiencing, they needed to have someone who would listen, who wouldn't judge them. And that was the important thing, that somebody wasn't going to think or, or treat them as though there's, there's something wrong with them. And it was pretty obvious to me because I'd been in counseling already, you know, 10 to 15 years, you know when someone's lost the plot and you know when someone is telling a real authentic experience. And Ellis came over exactly that way. My big thing was why, what, you know, what I was, was I going to do with it? And I discovered that most of the time UFO groups are really good when you've got pictures of UFOs, you know, or if you've seen something or whatever, they don't always have the expertise to support emotionally or psychologically someone who's had experiences. In fact, they want to. So it seemed to me that someone had to do that. Somebody had to step up to the plate and I couldn't walk away from it. So that was when I created a CERN because I thought it's, you know, I'm a professional counselor. I can offer support. And I was also extremely curious if this was real then what did it mean as us as a species? And who are they? What are they? Why are they here? What's it all about? What does it mean? What does it mean for the future of the human race? And why aren't we told the truth? All those questions and more intrigued me. So I started to go down the rabbit hole and, and look at where I've landed. <laughs> Took the red pill, mate. <laughs> 
I've got the red pill. I've taken it. There's no going back. Yeah. So tell us more about this family that um, you said Ellis turned up and he had marks on his arms. What was actually happening at night? I mean, abduction, we read about it, but in these cases where you've worked with a family, what, what were they actually experiencing? Well, Ellis was actually more concerned for his partner, was absolutely freaked out. He was aware he's being taken up on spacecraft. He was aware, I mean, shaved areas. He'd wake up with shaved areas on his body as well. Yeah. And his partner was particularly freaked out. I remember her telling me that she had recall of when they picked her up, of going through the walls and through her neighbor's walls, she could tell you what was in their bedroom as she was going up to the craft. She could actually describe what was in their house because she'd seen it in her uh, her account, encounter up onto the spacecraft. The main thing I think most people initially want is just somebody to listen to them, to believe that this is their reality and experience, whether or not, you know, it's not yours. It doesn't matter. They just want to be believed because that's the hardest thing of all is trying to say, well, if I'm, if this is not real, am I crazy? Or if it is real, what the hell do I do? You know, how do I deal with this? Because the, the biggest problem is when they talk about it, most people don't want to hear it. Or if they, they do hear it, they don't want to hear too much about it because it's confronting. It's, it scares them. So this is what so many, I believe, millions of people are faced with is that dual reality, the, the, the 3D reality we all have. But this other reality where they are aware they go on to spacecraft, they, they're aware of a whole range of things that may happen. Some of them are very conscious of it. And there are others that just have missing missing gaps in their memory or whatever. For example, many um, the one of the things I remember is maybe being having missing time. And hypnosis is really great for that because if they say they've gone on a journey to see Aunt Joan and it takes should take half an hour or an hour, they've gone three hours to get to Aunt Joan. What happened? And sometimes they'll say, well, I saw some lights and then nothing. And all of a sudden, I'm there at Aunt Jane. She's saying, why, why have you taken so long to come? You know, you should have been here two hours ago or whatever. That's a classic one is the missing time one. The other one is seeing some bright lights and then having no memory and they're looking and they think just a few minutes has gone and five hours has gone or six hours have gone or whatever. Those are very tangible things that occur. But you've also got people that wake up the next day where the pajamas are under the bed or in the cupboard and they don't remember taking them out or they find themselves outside with all the doors locked and don't know how the hell they got outside um, but they've been put back outside literally and that's not so funny um, one gentleman told me in England he says that's not so funny in the middle of the night in England because it's bloody freezing you know um, so that's how real it is you know this isn't just airy fairy for a lot of them there is real tangible things physical things where they can be missing from their beds um for a length of time and and then find out later that this has been an encounter so in in and so in these encounters i mean and we you call them abduction what is actually going on who who where are the ufo ships coming from and why are they abducting these people for what purposes well, I don't use the word abduction very much because for a lot of people, they ultimately come to an understanding that there has been some form of consent at some point. Um, so that's really important to say as well. Many of them do not see themselves 
when they understand more as a victim of it. In fact, they wouldn't change it for anything. The interesting thing with the research that we did with the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation, which I'm one of the co-founders, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Rudy Shield, and Ray Hernandez, who's a lawyer, and we set that up to do a survey of 4,800 people, 600 questions, conscious recall, and what many of them said was, although initially they were very fearful, the more they understood about these intelligences, the more they felt more connected to them in some way. But the interesting thing was that when I wrote the book, Awakening, um, How Extraterrestrial Contact Can Transform Your Life, I didn't know that that was what happened. I didn't know it actually does until I'd worked with enough people to see that as they work through the fear, through the trauma, to understand more of their communication with these intelligences, they noticed benefits they became more ecologically aware. They became more um, holistic in the way they looked at life, more caring about the planet, changing their diet, often leaving behind materialistic values. Everything changed for them in amazing ways. And we, we, we noticed at the end of the survey that 85% of those surveyed of the 4,200 noticed a psycho-spiritual transformation and only 15% remain traumatized or fearful. And there is, a re there is one reason, there's one of the reasons for that is because of the human abductions by what we call my lab. But that's a whole other story. Um, to start with, um, all I'll say is from the ET side, on the whole, it seemed to be positively transformative after they understood more of what was going on. And that meant a lot of their abilities, like they found they could do healing, they'd start to see energy fields, orbs of light, they would start to become more clairvoyant. Um, they would start to see things in a far more holistic um, way that they'd, they had never done before. And literally it had changed their lives in a positive way. And that was why I wrote Awakening, because that's what I was seeing. That was the ultimate for most people, not everyone, but for a majority. And the free research actually confirmed what I had thought, um, I had realized, you know, when I wrote the book. Okay, so let me just summarize. You're saying that um, rather than calling it abduction, there were what, like night schools, yep. which helped upgrade their um, perception and um, energetic abilities, but there was an exception called the MyLab, yeah. and then there was some kind of research that you were just talking about that confirmed there was research. The second thread is that there was research that was testing their perceptions, testing their abilities. What we discovered was the connection people had to many of these intelligences. They didn't see themselves as abductees, more contactees, or more connected to these intelligences than they had realized in terms of genetically as well. Because one of the things that most people don't know about me, my background is nursing midwifery. And I wanted to, to look at the evidence, was the physical, um, biological evidence in any way, because they were talking about having DNA from certain of these species that was inserted into their, their DNA of various species. So that was fascinating. So, okay, so they would be taken up on board craft 
and being told, yes, they've got a biological mother and father, but they've also got a biological being that has added their DNA into their DNA. So that was often a, a mix of extraterrestrial DNA and human DNA. And that was fascinating to me because what that was saying to me, and there are many um, younger um, experiences, and I'm thinking of a 16-year-old from Spain who told me that was when she um, understand herself to be a hybrid. So there's all this information about, okay, so where is the link between us and these, these intelligences? Why are they interested in us was the big question. You know, just like people would say, well, why me? And the reason that I believe they're interested in us is because they've been with us all through our history and they are part of our genetic DNA. They are part of us and that is why they're interested. And I've always felt with my research that those that were called the gods of old were in fact extraterrestrials rather than gods in the way that they've seen in a religious term. In other words, because they were um, had technology and um, had, that was way beyond what the primitive man would understand, they would have been seen as gods. But many of those indigenous tribes talk about the star beings coming down, interbreeding with them. The Dogon tribe in, in Africa talk about the, um, the Nemo, part, part human, part fish, that inter, um, interbred with them, with their DNA. There are right across the globe, indigenous peoples have talked about the star beings or star ancestors and that we are part of them. And of course, it's been interpreted over the years as being them being gods, when in fact, in, in a modern vernacular, we would actually just call them extraterrestrials with advanced technology. And there is, seems to be a lot of evidence that our genome has been altered and changed by a number of these extraterrestrials that were seen as gods in the past. And certainly we have anomalies in our DNA. And I look into that with a couple of molecular biologists, particularly that are, um, have given me their information, whistleblower geneticists that have said, there is no doubt that the human genome has been altered and changed, added to. And that this is not mainstream information because of the truth embargo on a lot of this stuff, but these are whistleblowers or, um, and they've just said, it's, it's obvious. We also have 223 genes in our DNA that were a sideways insertion of genetic material they can't explain. And that's all to do with higher psychological functioning. Um, and you know, the, the evidence is there if you wanna look for it, but you, you know, how you put that together for me is just more evidence that we are a created species, if you like. Hey, um is it possible in, um, in a vernacular words, um, the stellar worlds is a, <clears throat> is a garden and um, various species have been transported and planted on this, um, this garden here. And so all these different species um, have got their own little gardeners coming in to make sure they, um, they bloom and come forth in their own right, yeah. Absolutely, Jeff, and I'll tell you what an eight-year-old was really like to tell me. She, um, and her mother said, my daughter really wants really to, to uh, talk uh, to you. So she had an experience where her daughter 
been up on a planet, had been shown how to levitate, how to use her third eye, and also shown genetic engineering by the beings saying they seeded other planets all over the galaxies. And that was what she was actually told, that that was what they did. In, in lots of new planets, that's what they were actually doing. So that the symbolism of the Ark could in fact be um, a ship that's come in from another constellation, which has um, contained all the genetic material. And, and what I was told by another lady actually in Australia, when she met the mantis beings, they said that they were the, the top engineers, the genetic engineers of the planets themselves, or the, you know, in terms of the genetic material, they were the ones that did most of the genetic engineering that was done uh, across the worlds, different worlds and what have you. They're one of the main ones that did the, the, the genetic engineering. Okay, so let's talk about the main ones, but just quickly, when you talk about mantis, do you mean like mantis ray or do you mean like swimming mantis? They call the mantis beings or manta, and that's because they look like the praying mantis. They do you know, look like the mantis. Okay. I did have one client, and she's a great healer, and she was shown, you know, I went the, you know, go up to your crown chakra and see your true being. And she didn't mm. say anything. She looked a bit surprised. And then later I had her connect with her grandmother. And then she said, oh, my grandmother looks like a praying mantis. To me later, I did too, but I didn't tell the truth. It was just such a shock. But they were actually healers. They were actually told that they have to, if they want to check out, because of course, um, a lot of star seeds find this world very dense and hard work, and just really, you know, like you're you've got a millstone around your neck and you just got to bang people's heads together to get any sense in them. Um, so, you know, we we're discussing with her. The op with her sort of counselors and her, op her options for checking out of this lifetime and they said no if you stop doing the healing you just have to go now <laughs> and um yeah that's your job basically is to do the healing as a human race here so it's really interesting but anyway back to the to the the garden and the pumpkin patch and the cabbage patch so <laughs> we've got like Different, what I understand from common, you know, sort of, you know, what's what's around on Facebook and New Age is that we have um, the Pleiadians, the Orions, Sirius, the Lyrans. Um, you know, you've got the good races and then you've got the bad ones. But those are like sort of in the mainstream. You've obviously done the research and you talked to lots of, lots, lots of cases over 20 years. What do you think or sort of based on your insights and a lot of it, what, what is the, um, what are the main contributors to our DNA and do well, they get together? Um, all, I, all I know is that a lot of the consensus from experiences that have had conversations with the beings that they are connected to is we have at least 12 different inserts of extraterrestrial DNA in human DNA. Some say more, but one of the ones that I've particularly been very convinced by was Command Sergeant Robert Dean, who is a very well-known ufologist. He was in his 80s when he died. He was also in the military. He found out about cosmic top, top secret when the military, he realized the military knew about 
a lot of these races, for example. He didn't reveal until later on in his life that he'd been actually an experiencer. And he then said in the last couple of years in an interview, he'd been up on the spacecraft and they told him that the human race had at least 12 different inserts from DNA of various species. And that's like the Pleiadians and um, Orion, Sirius, et cetera, et cetera. But what's interesting to me is that I've had adults as well as children also say they come or they've, they've come from other dimensions. And I remember a 10-year-old in England telling me that he came through a portal in the sun. That was where he hailed from. So, you know, that, that although we think that that's probably the, the vast um, understanding of, of this genetic material um, coming from these different species, what we, what, what we understand of non-human intelligence, it's not just the physical non-human intelligence we're in, interacting with or interacting with um, interdimensionals, extra-dimensionals, trans-dimensionals, ultra-dimensionals and beings potentially from our future as well as physical extraterrestrials. So you've got this whole matrix of intelligence that in some way is interacting with us on different levels depending on our awareness and our willingness, I think, to connect with them. So not all of physical energy beings, for example, are interdimensional. Those that have seen light beings, and I was talking to a 10-year-old only a few weeks ago who told me he's visited by light beings. He comes from a planet of light. And he said, there you can manifest instantly. He said, on Earth, it takes a little bit longer um, to manifest. It's a bit more of a game. He said, it's a bit more like hard work, <laughs> he said to me, on this planet or whatever. But that was his understanding of his origin was from a planet of light. So that takes it to a whole new level of what is physical, what is non-physical. And certainly some of these intelligences will are not physical. They will appear just as an energy being or a light being. Yeah, I can really relate to that because um, I've sort of taken people through different recollections on other realms, and one of them was um, yeah on a planet where the form was kind of not. I've lost you, Judy. I can't hear you. I've lost you. Oh. Okay. Yep. I can relate to that because I've um, I'm also a hypnotherapist and I've taken people into uh, memories where they've actually been on different realms, which are not as physically manifested as well. They are not as physically manifested as they are here. So it's more like being plasma kind of consciousness, yeah. being able to contact other people's stuff. So we have one of our listeners, Alexander the Crake, um, asking, "What do you know about Sirius B and Andromeda?" Well, I'm not sure what you want to know about that, only that they are, um, I think both of them are very much part of our DNA in terms of those star systems. And interestingly, as people are, their dormant DNA is, is being activated. And that's a very big thing that seems to be coming through right now is with the frequencies that are hitting the planet, the, the children are coming in with these new frequencies, is they're activating the dormant DNA. And then they'll start to say, you know, I've got a feeling that I, I, my origin's the Pleiades or my origin's Andromeda or Arcturus or whatever. And I believe it's because that part of their DNA is being activated and they're connecting them to that origin 
one of their origins. Let's face it, if, if you, you know, you know, Julia, as a hypnotherapist, that we have many origins, you know, we've been all sorts of different beings on in different uh, environments all over the galaxies. And we've all, you know, we, I think we've been creative beings, we've probably been the whole lot. So it's usually when I say, where do you feel most connected right now um, as an origin, they may say Sirius or So that's as much as I, you know, I can say about those particular origins, other than I believe they're part of our, our greater genetic DNA or genome. Yeah, listening to you talk, it's actually quite interesting because it reminds me of something of, that Jeff said. So when you were saying the DNA is being activated, and number one, there's hope for us adults. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to activate our junk DNA <laughs> or our spiritual DNA. But then, yeah, if we have different people from different origins, it could be like you have a certain frequency that you tune into because yeah. being with the different planets, mm. they all have different orbits, different frequencies. So somebody who well, the Kabbalah talks about it, doesn't it? The Kabbalah talks about it. Can mm. you elaborate, Jeff? Well, on the Sifoth, on the trees, all the planetary. Um, musical keys that relate to um, the Sifros. Yeah. Once you understand Malkuth's the earth and then you go up through the moon and you go up through the sun up to Uranus as the father and then you've got the pillars either side you can connect and it's done on four levels there. You've got the young boy, the young girl uh, the mother and the father or king and queen. It's pretty interesting um, mystical experience if you understand it. Mm. Meditation will open your mind up. Yeah. Like looking at a crop circle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So crop circle. Can we have a? Could, what, I just love that picture behind you. Could you? It just looks like a portal or something. What? What is it? Where did you get it from? Um, well, I've had lots of people over the years fascinated, and it's usually experiences. But the one that completely bowled me over was an eight-year-old that came to my office with his mum. And he stood and looked at that and he pointed to a planet in it and said, I've been past that planet. It's actually bigger than it looks there. And I've gone through that portal because that's yeah. how he saw it as a portal into another place. And he described what the other ones were. He said some he called artificial gates or um, stargates, which he said were the like, like what looked like stars. He said, they're, he said to me, they're artificial. He said, but that one is, he said, it's a portal. I've been past that planet. So he explained to me exactly what that was. But he, you know, he, when an eight-year-old tells you that, it's extremely compelling. I've had a number of adults also look at it and they can't take their eyes from it. So I think whoever did that picture was someone who was an experiencer. Um, the artist says unknown. So I have no idea who created it, but it's it's metallic. But it's, it's, a, a, it's in a really interesting thing when you get children that look at stuff and can de almost decode them which is what what i find is quite compelling with the children yeah i'm just actually wondering whether you've got a connection to that planet because it got given to you and um it's um, have you had any experiences yourself not consciously on board any spacecraft at all but i will say that um, I feel that I've come here in a way to help, if you know what I mean. There's a sense that that's the job, Mary. I don't, I've never been confronted by any of this information, which is interesting. Um, I mean, I still remember, though, do waking up at, 
at night as a child and being absolutely terrified, not knowing why I was so terrified and afraid that even if I blinked, something would get me. <laughs> I always remember that thinking, I can't even blink in case it, whatever it was, would get me and then I'd fall asleep. But I don't remember anything other than there's been a number of people telling me they've seen me up there. So who knows? Um, all I know is for me, it it feels all of this has not felt strange or weird in a way. It's like, yes, of course, you know, it's almost like there's a knowing that this is, of course, this is how it, how it is. So in that sense, and for me, it's opened me up um, in so many ways to, un, um, to the point where you can talk about parallel universes, different timelines. There's nothing that phases me now because I've had people go into other timelines to other universes they, where they've seen themselves um, living a different life and what have you. So all of that to me is the rabbit hole. You know, it's yes, why not? You know, you don't know what you don't know. So I've, I can't I, I think, Julia, you'll recognize this, that when you work in this field, you can't have boundaries of what reality is because we don't know what reality is. So the only way to learn is to listen to those that do have those experiences so you can get a sense of what it is. And I, I laugh sometimes and I say, my reality is this ice flow that I'm standing on for now. And as new information comes in, that melts. And I've got to, ju I've got to jump to the next ice flow because it's continually morphing into a greater, greater understanding of what the hologram is or the matrix is or whatever we understand reality to be. And I, I think for me, you know, there's a, um, I don't know if I can quote it exactly, but there was something Albert Einstein said that those who believe they have the mandate on truth and knowledge are shipwrecked by the laughter of the gods. So I say to anyone, nobody knows what reality is, even if they have 15,000 PhDs or whatever. Quite honestly, we're still trying to work it out. Hey, uh, in the Star Trek Next Generation, they had an episode there with um, Wesley Crusher and he met um, what was called the Traveller. And um, the game plan was that the Traveller was in um, Starfleet uniform and his job was to crank an extra couple of uh, light speeds on their warp drives. And um, just so happened that Wesley saw the sky morph and was able to actually take the Starship Enterprise uh, through to another another time and space and moved it in, in just a blink of an eye and it was all about thought and he took him into a world where thoughts manifested instantaneously and then he had to bring them back to the where he started from and it just basically was saying that mankind wasn't ready to actually move into that realm of pure thought but gave them a glimpse of what they could possibly achieve was, that was really someone who's using uh, a, a depth of unfathomable knowledge and, and laying it out to humanity to be aware of, isn't it? I, I think I look at a lot of the films and the sci-fi films to see what the concepts are because I believe the concepts are there to teach us what's going on. And there are people, I think, that know full well more of what's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. That's to do with technology anyway. And, and some of the technology, certainly we're not being told about. I was told that 
technology now that's behind the scenes is at least 30 years in advance of what we're being shown, for example. But we do get glimpses through a lot of these sci-fi films and whatever. There's a lot more connected to our reality than we understand. Stargate, for example, you know, and we hear about the jump gates, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, the things on Mars, for example. I mean, I was talking to a 12-year-old who was ADHD, and I mentioned the labels um, and what I think they are, but he was talking about when he'd been on the moon previously, and he talked about leaving something there that will affect consciousness. And he, he remembers that lifetime when he, he left this thing on the moon. Because a lot of the children, of course, say that the moon is hollow mm. and that it's underneath the surface. Um, and they already know about that. And I've had eight-year-old girls tell me they've been taken to Mars on spacecraft and shown the beings under the surface on Mars as well. So, you know, this is, it, it blows your mind to hear this kind of information from children as young as, you know, six, seven, and eight that seem to have an understanding and an awareness way beyond the rest of us. And they're, they're, it, it's natural to them, including their past lives. You know, when I talked to one 10 year old, he told me this was his first lifetime on planet Earth. He came, he was a blue being before he came here. He said, I'm a center seed. I connect with the center of this planet and I'm gonna help with the pollution. This is why I've come. I've come to help with the pollution. Now, these are the kinds of profound things that they're coming out with, you know, all the time. The parents don't know what to do with it. You know, they're not, they say, look, we're not, we're not front loading our kids. They are coming out with this information. And, and you know, we don't even know what, what to do with it sometimes because it's so, um, it's, it's, it's so hard to take on board, you know? Hey, um, coming to that manifestation angle, most people I know use it to manifest the car park, you know. So, um, and we, that's just baby steps, isn't it? So, yeah. that concept of where you get two or three coming together, um, surely that um, the power of, of three to be able to manifest um, is where we need to be heading. I mean, at, at this moment in time, the power of three is actually mainstream media sowing their seed, isn't it? Sowing their story when people like who've got ability to think need to gather around with other people who've got that same ability to, well, imagineering, I call it. Yeah. You're imagineering, you, you imagine it and then you bring it into, well, you're an engineer, you bring it into manifestation. So these children need to be in that same sort of um, nurturing and you know, to, to bring their gifts out, isn't it? You know, they need a, like a Professor Xavier school, isn't it? It is. And the the whole thing is when I, what I think people struggle with understanding is I have educators from various parts of the globe, clinical psychologists, as well as parents. And they're all talking about these kids they're seeing in the classroom um, or and noticing that they're different. And they will say, you know, how can we support them? because it's plainly, um, they're plainly different. They, they're sensing things. Many of these children are telepathic as well. Um, I remember one third young year old explained to me that she said her problem with her teacher was that what her teacher was saying and what she was thinking were two different things. 
and what she was thinking sometimes wasn't very nice. Um, so you've got children that, you know, this is where we've got to upgrade in our thinking and our behavior because these kids will recognize who we are very much. And I talked to a seven-year-old um, who was telling me about his, um, his experiences and he explained to me that he could tell when people lie and when they tell the truth. And I said to him, so how does that feel? And he said, well, when they lie, I go cold. And when they tell the truth, I'm warm. So that was how he could di differentiate between that. But many of them seem to be telepathic. And this is right across the board. We've got now children that are very empathic. They can tap into your emotions and your feelings. But not only that, they're being educated in another place apart from Earth. Many of them are on board spacecraft. Um, I remember this eight-year-old in my office telling me that he goes up to the spacecraft with two of his school friends. And he said, we're in a, a group where there are other children as well. And I said, um, are they all the same as you? He said, well, some aren't human. He said, and I said, how do you know? And he said, well, their eyes are different. They're, you know, he's explaining to me we were um, how they were taught to imagine and make things. And he said, we're given complex information. And I said to him, well, if it, you know, when you say complex, can you tell me what you mean by complex? He says, no, he said, I can't tell you because it's too complex for you. So in other <laughs> I wouldn't understand it, all right? So that put me in my place quite, quite comfortably. And I, the thing was, I said to him, did you ever talk to the other two boys? about being up on the spacecraft with you. And he said, I wanted to, I wanted to, but mum wouldn't let me. And she explained rather apologetically, she was afraid they'd think he was a bit weird um, if they didn't remember. So she didn't want him to set himself up for disappointment or anything like that. But he was the one that told me his ancestors were the mantis beings and that when he dies, he's going back to being a mantis. And he also explained to me that when he was on board spacecraft sometimes, he said, I evaporate. He meant his essence, his spirit is the way I translated it, into a mantis form for a time and then would come back to his human form, his essence would come back to his human form. So he was explaining quite clearly that he would go into a different container, a biological container, which was mantis, and then come back to his human form. And that is a really interesting thing when you get this from an eight-year-old explaining this to you. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. Look at this one. Look at this. Can't believe this. Love your old. So let's read it out for the radio listeners. So oh, sorry. You've got, I, I never taught my son meditation, but my son placed a pyramid and crystals in configuration in front of him. He said that each corner of the pyramid represented specific feelings. He placed a clear quartz crystal bead ball in the point of the pyramid and said it represents love, is what he was focusing on during the meditation. And that's a five-year-old. Wow. That must be a great job, Mary, sort of dealing with all the super intelligent and empathetic kids. It's, it's actually fascinating because that's why I said the new human. These are often labeled, um, metaphysically, they're often called crystals, rainbow, indigos, or whatever, which is their energy field. But they're also mis 
um, diagnosed or labeled ADHD, some forms of autism, Asperger's and dyslexic. And the reason for that is, is they're wired differently. So they do not, they can't be programmed but in a 3D reality in quite the same way because of that different wiring. So they're seen as dysfunctional when in fact they're more functional, they're more multidimensional, but that is misunderstood. When you have, um, I talk to a molecular biologist who's an experiencer herself and calls, calls um, them letter people. She says she's a Asperger's, ADHD, et cetera. And she said, Mary, I tested scientifically my five senses. And she said she had six times sensitivity to touch, a broader spectrum of, of uh, eyesight. And we only see 1% of the visual spectrum. So they have a broader uh, visual spectrum. Hearing is, is vastly more sensitive as well. So they react very much in that way, but also their multidimensional side, their empathy, telepathy, um, that they'll see spirits, they'll see orbs of light, they'll see one young lady, I think she was five or six, was explaining to a mum that with emotions they had colours, when she saw colours coming out of someone with their emotions. So she was seeing it almost like they're synesthetic, and by synesthesia, for those that don't know, it's perceiving something with more than one sense. So you will see maybe the number five, but it will also have a color or a feeling or a sound. And this is, I believe, this um, where we're going as a species. We're becoming multidimensional. And, and the great thing that I think, Julia, is important here is that the older models, like myself, are not going to be left behind. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not obsolete this is the beauty of it because the more that we are exposed to the frequencies that are coming to this planet that are coming with the kids that are coming through crop circles when we meditate when we um, start to expand our own perceptions we are activating our own dna and we are being part of that new human because that's our heritage too. And I talked to a nine-year-old in Sweden one day and I said to her about the older models like myself, and she said, Mary, human beings are amazing, but they've got to believe it first. And our problem is we've been programmed out of our awareness, out of these abilities, because we're told they're, they're not real, they're not okay, you're crazy. You know, there's something wrong with you if you see all of that. Instead of actually the other way around, we actually are manifesting more of what we really are when we open up clairvoyantly, we open up with our intuition and our knowing, and we start to be aware of, you know, the, the frequencies, like the healing frequencies. All of those are activating the ones that are ready for it, you know, this activation of DNA. So I guess if the parents are having kids that are seeing things that the parents don't or hearing things or um, just knowing things that they don't, the message is to them not to dismiss it just because they can't. And if, if I guess if as a parent you can't relate to what your kid can do or see, you know, what avenues do they have? Is there a, like a school for star seeds? Oh, yeah, straight on here, look. What? Go to alienlady.com, go to questionnaire. I mean, it's quite substantial. I mean, Mary's gone and look. It's quite um, poignant, isn't it? It's really dedicated yeah. to mums and dads, yeah. grandparents who might have their children staying with them and saying, 
Oh my God, I was listening to the show, this Mary Wadwell. Can't believe it. Man, that's fantastic. Come on, I'll play this show for you. Look, here's this questionnaire. Have a look at this. Fill it in. <coughs> Excuse me. And look what she does. Professional hypnosis, yeah? <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Well, <laughs> Jeff, the great thing is that it, with the kids, this is everything I wrote about in The New Human with the kids is conscious memory. There's no hypnosis there. There's no trance work, nothing. This is what they recall. This is what they remember. And that's what gives it um, to a lot of people a lot more tangibility and all credibility simply because it's conscious recall um, of, of who and what they are. Some of the parents are very with it because they've had experiences or whatever, but sometimes the parents won't be the ones. It'll be the grandmother or the grandfather that say, my grandson is really, he's like me. He's, he's picking up this, this, and this, and this. So sometimes it is the grandparent that will highlight it. Either parent, it can be. There is um, groups now, um, there's one called Conscious Youth in America where they do a lot of work with children online, every child from about 8 to 16. Um, I've connected a lot of children and parents with other children and parents because the parents need support as well because they don't know what to do because in conventional education, it's not working for a lot of these kids. It, they get very bored. They get very fed up. It, isn't, it doesn't make any sense to them. They're being taught a whole different understanding of reality. When they go on board craft, they're taught to use their abilities, their healing abilities, for example. They, they're taught about energy, quantum physics. I mean, and this is when they're young. These are things that their consciousness can take when they go on board craft. They're, they're even, some of them are taught to actually fly craft, work with star systems, work with energy, using uh, one little girl telling me how she learned to levitate, all these things they're learning um, at night classes, if you like. Um, and then they come back to planet Earth and they go to this very boring programming called our schools, our education. And it doesn't make any sense. It is, well, many, I remember a 15-year-old saying, Mary, it's like going to prison because they are so unawake and unaware of what's really going on because they can see it. They know how it works. And they can read you. They can read you on multiple levels. So I've, you know, I've talked to many psychologists and, and also educators, and they want to create something different. But a lot of them are trapped in the conventional model of education. And, you know, some send them to maybe Steiner, you know, the anthroposophy or, or Montessori as an option, or they um, end up homeschooling because they just don't want to see their kid dumbed down. And these kids um, are, you know, I'll give you an example. I was speaking to a gentleman over in US and his son who was nine said, can I speak to Mary, quite out of the blue. And I said, well, I'm happy to talk to you. I said, why do you feel you need to speak to me? And he said, well, it's because of your frequency. So I said, okay, so what do you want to tell me? And he said, well, I just want you to know that in my other life, he said, um, I, I came from Orion. I was a light physicist. I worked with time travel technology. I've come to planet Earth now, he said, but I'm afraid the scientists here are pretty dumb. The nearest is Nikola Tesla in terms of understanding my physics. Um, and he told me he goes to sacred sites for downloads 
he talked about Chichen Itza and he talked about other sacred sites. He said, because everyone I go to, I just get a download of more information or whatever. But the, the schools are a waste of time. And this is this nine-year-old explaining to me his issues with planet Earth and the way that we deal with things. It was like being amongst primitives. So there you go. This is not... Reading the ringing uh, cedar sets of books, you know, with um, the guys in Siberia, isn't it? And then oh, yeah. the, um, the mother and the father, they got killed, I think, so it was the grandparents and um, Anastasia, and they could bloody teleport. And she actually produced a child who, who could just look at a tree and, and could read the tree and all its, all its yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And then we built the school and the kids came together to build the school and they used to sing to all the building materials and they created this harmonic tone within the, the structure of it. And um, I remember uh, the guy came out to Boron Bay. Well, he came up to Gold Coast as well and gave a talk. It was a fantastic talk. And he was the guy who translated from Russian to English. And um, he explained how this guy had got a PhD in chemistry. He was 29 or some 30. And there's an 11-year-old kid at this school, taught him this buddy PhD in a matter of hours. And he, and he, he just couldn't find yeah. believe it. You know? Yeah. That's what we've got to do, isn't it? You've got to bring that, bring it out, isn't it? Well, it sounds a bit like the Bible where we need to go and find the 14-year-olds or the 9-year-olds and get them to teach us. <laughs> bring them into the courts. Bring them into the city halls. Well, the thing is the that um, why can't the old models like Mary... You know, <laughs> not you or me. <laughs> so, what can't Mary and her um, her partner? What's to stop, stop them from bringing um, children into this world that they're in that environment with having a, um, a safety net with mum and dad who and accelerate and, and allow them to be in that nurturing place to bring it all up? It, does that really happen, or is it? Or uh, because they're going into night school, get trained, and then come back, they're being planted right across the planet. So, yeah, um, having a whole web around the planet is a lot easier to in the in the finale to bring the light up on the planet rather than just having concentrated in certain areas. The next question is: Are we in the actual dream state? And when we go into our so-called sleep state, is that the real world? Well, that's the, the uh, million-dollar question, isn't it? Are we in the dream time? Are we actually creating our experiences? Um, and we're the creators of this reality and whatever. And part of me thinks of the holodeck and Star Trek, you know, um, that we first thought we've dialed in. Oh, we'll go at this time where everything's upside down because it'll look interesting or whatever. We'll go, you know, into 2000 and whatever and we'll we'll – shake everything up we'll have the goodies and the baddies and you know we'll try and do our bit you know around that and we'll create this new human and all the rest of it we may be doing that for all i know i mean who really knows what what that hologram is that we're all part of that consciousness we're all part of at the end of the day and it may just be that or it's something else i mean that I, I, I'm not opposed to that as a possibility because we are told, you know, that we're creating our reality by all metaphysicians. You know, they're saying, you, you know, you're creating your reality with your thoughts. So maybe this is what it is, is the more that we can think on that higher level of love, compassion and, and caring for each other and, and, and 
that kind of energy ultimately is what we're being challenged to project to create a new world a new reality a new earth which is what the children talk about is going to a new earth or being part of a new earth or whatever maybe that's what the challenge is to walk our talk not just talk about it but literally walk it as as um, a consciousness so and those, you know, sorry, those children coming those new models actually they'll hook up and produce um children that will be of a higher vibration than even them no? yeah I mean, the, the, the challenge for us as the older models, I, I remember one um, email I got from a lady who had a little girl and she said right from birth she was telepathic. She could read everyone around her. And she says, you know, Mary, she's three now and she's still doing it. And it's so hard to keep monitoring your thoughts because <laughs> she, your child is going to read them. And I thought, there's the challenge, guys. The challenges for us to, to, you know, I think we've all recognised that our thoughts create our belief in reality or certainly they affect us at a cellular level. And then there's the collective as well. So we do have to learn to take responsibility for our thoughts and emotions yeah. and direct, you know, the energy that we want. But I think this is also comes to one of the reasons that I actually invited you onto the show, Mary. And um, because there is what we think and feel and decide to do individually but there's also the collective and i love children and I, you know i think the truth comes from the mouth of the babes and i just love what you're doing not just talking to all of them but also just writing down and you know looking at the drawings and um, what they're doing and i guess one of the things that i really want to know because when i sort of see it what a lot of people are posting out there on facebook is that there's this idea and you know we look at netflix and there's this huge dystopian kind of narrative happening you know matrix you know are we all enslaved you know are we all sort of being taken over the cabal there's people saying the ufos that we see is actually military technology is human it's just you know if you really were extraterrestrial you wouldn't need them so kind of in terms of forming the collective narrative, and you have better insight into this because you're talking to the younger ones mm. that are multidimensional, you know, sort of where are we? Are we sort of just about to, you know, many people think we're on the old earth and there's a new earth and it's going to separate out. And then others say, look, it's all hopeless. We're all just fooling ourselves and kidding ourselves. We're all enslaved completely. <laughs> where, where, do, where, where do you stand on this? It's, a, it's one I'm asked many times because I think we are in uh, very much uh, dark times, I think, in terms of us as a species. That, that I do feel we're at a kind of crossroads or a particular choice of timelines here. But I always go back to the fact that, like yourself, you know, I've worked with people in past lives, in between lives, them choosing to come into a life like there's a um, several children told me they remember the moment where as they were a spirit they would then see the life that they they wanted to have and then they found themselves in mummy's tummy is the way that often they've told me is, is how they've made the choice they've made that choice and come in the way that I look at it is this I don't believe these and I believe there's millions of these children all around the world even if they're not identified as such by different cultures or whatever or they've seen as different i believe they're everywhere um i don't believe they've come in as aware as they are for a waste of time because i don't see a soul 
who says, I'm going to go to planet, I'm going to come and help out on that planet. I'm going to work really, really hard, but oh dear, it's not going to work out because they will know whether or not it's going to work out. The mere fact they've come here says we have a future. And personally, and I've said this many, many times, I know me. And if they said to me, Mary, oh, by the way, when you go to planet Earth, you're going to really work hard, you, you know, all through your life till you're old and gray. But sorry, it's going to be a waste of time because they're not going to get it. You know, do you know what I would say to them? Find some other mug to do it. <laughs> I ain't going back down to planet Earth otherwise. I feel that so strongly that there's no way we would have all these wonderful new souls coming in with their awareness, their abilities to change this planet. As one child was talking about, you know, dealing with the pollution. Another one talks about being an ecological engineer from Arcturus. He's a, well, he was 17 when I interviewed him. He's in ch chapter 11. Antonio, he told me he's come in as an Arcturian ambassador, but an ecological engineer to help with this planet and the shift on this planet. They haven't come in for a waste of time. They've come in because they know they can deal with whatever it is they need to deal with. And they know how to manifest. They know how to communicate with the animals, some with, with the plants and what have you. As the One of the eight-year-old told me he communicates with animals and it's to help um, us understand as a species how important they are to consciousness as well, that we have to treat them with respect. They're coming in with all this information. And, you know, why have they come in? Because they know they can make a difference. And the main thing for us is to recognize it and support them as much as we can so they can come and do the job they can do. And when I talked to this 12-year-old who had ADHD and he said, we've been to this point several times before in our evolution and we've not quite made it. He said, but I think this time we're going to make it. So they've yeah. come because of that. So, you know, whatever you see, at the moment, this is the process. We needed to go through this. And the one thing I still remember with dear old Command Sergeant Robert Dean, one of the things he said um, about what he was being shown, not only the 12 inserts of DNA, he said, and they've shown me our future. And it is magnificent, is what he said. They'd shown him our future. And I, I believe, always believed that gorgeous bloke because he was one of those you knew was absolutely authentic. He was, you know, I, I met him a number of times, which is a great blessing, but he was totally authentic. And when he said that, I thought, thank you very much. That'll do me, you know. And now it's about us believing in ourselves, isn't it? It's about us hanging on to that and saying, no, this is what we want. This is where we're going because we can do it. I believe we've come here because we know we can do it. I take on board what you said. Hey, um, I'm going to go back to Star Trek, second generation. <laughs> and, um, the prime directive is not to interfere in a culture. Yeah. And first contact is the most important aspect of the Galactic Federation yeah. making contact with the civilization. And best you can have warp travel, they're not going to come and see you. However, in this particular episode, Riker gets um, transformed so he can actually blend in with the local natives and obviously finds out, or they find out, and so he gets taken for surgery and things are not looking really well. And yeah. uh, But there's one individual who's in the science academy and she realises that he's not really from this planet. 
and um, and of course Picard and his team manifest in the the premier or the president's office, and and he's uh, set back and thinking we're the center of the universe, yeah. and they realize we're just one voice in the choir, and mm. I thought that was a very pronounced statement yeah. of what actually happens here on the planet when um, first contact. Um, and we've probably seen them over at Area 51 <laughs> before, um, EBs, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, yeah, we're not alone. But the question is, as the premier of the planet said, how can I bring that awareness to this planet and all the people when we think that we're the center of the universe? And, and that was the art imitating life. Yeah. How do we do that for this planet? And you're scenario with all these children would suggest that somewhere along the line there is a clarion call of such you know there's been a neglected broadcast and saying okay who wants to come to planet earth this is the mission we're going to meet at this particular planet introduce everybody meet and greet find your away teams and all that stuff here's the mission boom we're going to come on these ships and this is the time period that we feel we can actually do something for humanity Uh, that sounds like the mission you've hit it on the head jeff absolutely they can't you know influence they can't interfere from that level but they can bring in those from their origins and insole them into humans and then work from the inside to affect consciousness and that that's what they've been doing particularly since our technology has advanced so dramatically there's been an activation and an awakening that has been exponential from that time because it's it's almost I described it as, you know, um, previous to this, it's like having a three-year-old with a loaded gun not realising it can kill people. And you've got to upgrade that three-year-old to a maturity where they understand the potential of what and what's wonderful about the children is that they have this awareness. Our job is to nurture them, to provide the space for them to grow and to um, be able to use their abilities to do what they've come here to do. And many of them have to learn to be human because not some of them is like this young lad of 10. He's never been on this planet before. He said, it, you know, it's been quite difficult for him because he can't <laughs> manifest instantly here like he's used to. So they've had to learn how to be human. but they've come in to assist with this. And this brings me into another concept that some people may may or may not be aware of, of some have come in with a soul swap or um, they, you know, there's lots of different names for that. Walking is another name where you have one soul that will be in that physical body for a time, agree with another soul to move out at a certain point and this other soul will come in and carry on whatever they need to do. And that's, you know, walk-ins, um, for those that are not aware, that's in essence, I mean, it's a, it's a bit more complicated than that. But I have known walk-ins that have come from other star systems. And one lady I remember telling me that her, she only remembers being on a cylindrical craft, nine feet tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, she was telepathic. She didn't need to eat. It was light. Then she finds herself in a three-year-old human girl's body where she has to learn to talk and she has to learn to eat. 
because that's not normal for her. And she said, I go back and I debrief to my um, star family regularly about what it's like on planet Earth. And there's another lady that I know that says to me that she had about so many near-death experiences and in the end, she was a walk-in from the 13th dimension. And they're not physical, they're just an intelligence, their energy. And she said, but we knew that the only way we could communicate with humans is if we are in a form that they feel comfortable with. So this is just one aspect of how we are being assisted on this planet through these kinds of mechanisms, if you like, to shift consciousness on this planet. I guess that, Welcome to the zoo. The zoo yeah. <laughs> but I guess I think what you said, humans are only comfortable with beings in that shape. I mean, I think and there is that fear, and I don't know whether it's in our DNA of, and there are uh, of times when I think we were, humans were slaves to other yeah. races, yeah. and I think that's a leftover that hasn't mm -hmm. really been addressed yet. Oh, we still do it today. I mean, United Arab Emirates and Qatar, they get all the Pakistanis, the Bangladeshis and Indians, and they get them over there and they yeah. just bed them and cheap lady labor and people, those yeah. workers die off building those high rises. Yeah. I mean, look at China, they do it through monetary means into Africa. You know, if you can't afford it, then they take over the asset. But then there's a the unions used to have a saying here in Australia, do you work to live or live to work? Yeah. 40 hour a week. Yeah. And then you get penalized from tax if you work double time or triple time. Yeah. Yeah. We're all slaves. For the money. <laughs> Actually, there's a good movie called Time. It was really, yeah, I think it was this, yeah. a symbolism of, of how we live in this monetary world, isn't it? Exactly. That's the biggest, that's the biggest fraud on this planet. Yeah. The banking industry. Yeah, I guess that's why we need to practice our manifesting abilities. But there's two of us gathered in my name, baby. We've got three of us now. What can we manifest, girls? Yeah, well, I think we should talk to the audience and see. Well, um, I think they've got what um, Maria was saying. She thinks, she says her mother told her she was from Titan. It's a, it's a satellite, a moon on um, yeah. Saturn. Is it Saturn? Or is, that, is it Saturn or Mars? Phoebus. I'm not sure. She'll tell us. Yeah. And you know um, then Barbara Simpson is saying she loves observing young ones. She has some special ones in her family for sure. And uh, yeah. So if people want to get in touch with you, Mary, what's the best way? You, I know you're on Facebook. Yeah. On oh, my web, my websites. Uh, obviously, you've got one up there, but there's a cern.com.au or maryrodwell.com.au. I'm very easy to connect with. And if they also want more uh, presentations uh, on YouTube or interviews like this one, there's loads, loads out there. And I, I mean, that's one of the things I think um, I've done so much of now is, is lots of different ones. And I do it primarily because it's about um, really the information, you know, that if this resonates with you in some level and you're wondering where to go, then at least you can get in touch with me. And if I can't help you, I can find someone um, that can or whatever as well. But it's easy enough to get to me through my website as well as Facebook. Just make a change here. Uh, 
question should we ask you that we haven't asked you? What question? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I, it depends on where you want to go, really. Um, I can go in a hundred different different directions because oh, I've looked yeah, at this from yeah, yeah. so so many angles. I think more than anything, I want people to to the issue I have. If you want to know if I've got an issue, and it's with what we call the model of psychology on this planet, because. The issue I have with that is so many people around the globe have questioned their sanity because of this um, incorrect programming that we have about 3D reality and the fact that we're still not allowed really to be multidimensional, that unless we, it, we see it with our senses, that it's not real. And that we all know isn't true because we all have experiences that are multidimensional, intuition, feelings, knowing, sensings, all that stuff. And yet it's not acknowledged in mainstream yet that it's OK. You know, if you say that you're getting downloads of information or you're seeing aliens and you say that to a majority of the, you know, the psychiatrists around the globe, you're going to end up with some really handy medication or something similar. This is my issue that there have been. I would hate to think how many people have been medicated and sent to hospitals because that's what's happened. They've told the doctor that this is what's going on for them. And in my book, Awakening, really, for me, was the most overpoweringly sad thing was a young lady who contacted me when she was 19. And she said, Mary, when I was 14, I told the doctors I was seeing aliens. They said I was schizophrenic and they gave me all these medications. I nearly took my life several times because I felt so depressed with the fact that I must be crazy. And she said, but I then saw a talk show on, a t on television where people were talking about seeing aliens. And I realized maybe, just maybe, I wasn't crazy after all. And she came to see me for several years. And I wrote her story in Awakening for one reason, because the sad thing was that she had to get over the belief she was crazy to realize, in fact, she wasn't crazy but I had spent all these years under heavy medication and, and really suicide, suicidal thoughts because of the fact that the, 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 um, what, what we would call the support, psychological support um, out there still is not informed because of the truth embargo that this is real. So we have so many psychiatrists and psychologists, not their fault, they are told, you know, you're hearing voices, you, you're, you know, there's something wrong with you. Um, if you're seeing things that you shouldn't see or I can't see, then there's something wrong with you. And it's all back to this truth embargo that the, you know, the governments won't release the truth that we're being visited by numerous intelligences across this planet. And so my biggest issue is why and why I do this is that has to change. That, we, you know, the sooner we can get the truth out there so people who are having experiences no longer think they're crazy, no longer will be in fear of being put in hospital or dosed up because of their experiences. That is my mission. My mission is to change that and for us to acknowledge that we are um, spiritual beings in a biological form and that we are multidimensional and that we are not trapped in this either because we can go out of body and, and a lot of the encounters, by the way, um, in our surveys, what was really fascinating 
is we discovered that for most encounters, this is 75% were out of body, not physical. Only 25% were physical. So that when they had an experience, it was often in an out of body state, in a spiritual state. Um, now that is really important. So we've got to change it. We've got to change the model, this outdated, pathetic, Cartesian model that says, unless you can touch it, feel it, see it and hear it, it ain't real. That's what we have to change because yeah, then people will be given information. And it, religion's based on the fact I've gone to the fifth, fifth heaven and boom, 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 or I saw the New Jerusalem come yeah. down. Yeah, hello. Yeah. And yet we, yeah, Carolyn Milne up on the, on the show here, and she was nine years old. She was at an Anglican boarding school, and she actually had this angel manifested and talked to her, and then she went back to the boarding school. And, mate, she was in purgatory for a month. They were going to sign her into asylum, you know. So it took her about 50-something years before, well, not 50, 45 years before she came good on the subject of bringing all that knowledge through. Yeah. I mean, the sad thing for me, Jeff, has been I was in Norway doing a conference there and the, the Scandinavian um, are generally pretty careful about all of this. You know, you've got to be very careful about talking about any of this, even more so than most places. They're really, they're very high technologically, but when it comes to anything multidimensional, they're really very careful. And I was a bit worried about giving my presentation because I'm on the edges of the spiritual side as well as ufology. So, you know, my stuff is a lot more, um, le is less tangible perhaps than some. And I, I, I still talked about the kids. I still talked about, the, you know, the, the manifestation of the scripts, the music, all the stuff they're bringing in creatively as part of this awakening. And I'm, a lovely lady came up to me. She, she explained to me that she was 79 years old and she was a farmer's wife. And she said to me, Mary, you're the first person that has ever mentioned all these abilities. She said, I have them. I've had them all my life. I could call the sheep in with my mind and nobody ever understood how I did it. And she said, and you're the first person that shown me that I'm not not crazy, basically, or whatever. 79 years old, and she's lived like that, wondering she was crazy. All that time, that is, to me, a crime against humanity. That, to me, to have somebody. And she's, of course, one of, I believe, millions that have lived their lives thinking there's something wrong with them, simply because they're multidimensionally aware and they've had experiences and they've never been able to share it. I've met so many of my generation and you know, in their 60s, um, one gentleman at 60, Aussie guy, um, said, you know, I've had a few strange experiences. I sent him my questionnaire. He phoned me the next day and he was in tears, a 60-year-old man in tears. And he said to me, Mary, how do you know about my life? Because he ticked all the boxes and he could not believe that all of those were what he'd been experiencing all his life and he just thought it was just him that's why i'm passionate that's why i do what i'm doing because the more people that realize that there's nothing wrong with them that in fact they're the ones that are going to you know that are going to change consciousness and that we are have been waiting for them to do so that they're all part of this wonderful shift of humanity 
then we're getting somewhere. That's very inspiring. I just love hearing your passion <laughs> about this. is wonderful. Thank you, Mary, for sharing that. I love you, Mary. Very brilliant. Yeah, we do. Thank you. Thank you. So this is why I do what I do, guys, because it matters. It matters to every single person out there that's feeling alone and isolated and scared because they just think there's something wrong with them. And I can't bear that. I really can't bear it. It, it breaks my heart. So I'll do this. I've actually had a, a, I make it funny to lighten the mood a little bit. I don't know if this is lightening the mood, but I've got this vision of myself in the coffin and they're nailing down the lid and they're saying, hold on a minute. You can't go yet. We've got a few more emails before you go, <laughs> before they finish off nailing down the coffin and letting me go. I've got a feeling that that's what it's going to be like before I leave this planet. <laughs> You're one determined lady. That's great. No, I'd change that. I'd be changing it and I'd just go like those masters of the Far East, just bring your whole energy and essence and then go on. <laughs> Just like the real Mary, sort of, you know, no, stairways to heaven. I've had two people do that. They've come and manifested. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've told them I want to go to sleep and not wake up when it when it happens. That'll suit me nicely. Thank you very much. <laughs> now you want to wake up. <laughs> when it's time. And I'm fine with that because I know we're going to go on to do other adventures and other places, other realities. So it's just another adventure, isn't it? That's all it is. I mean, Julia knows that. She knows it's just yeah, another. You'll come back like a year later with all of your faculties switched on. <laughs> then you'll be the odd one out laughing at the dinosaurs. Going, oh. <laughs> What's that TV show, Mork from Mork? What was that one? Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy, yeah. And then yeah. the child, the child was already yeah. full grown adult. Yeah. <laughs> the egg. Well, today I had, you know, I had a, I had a seven-year-old telling me about pie. <laughs> Everybody else is still counting in tens and units. <laughs> this kid's like telling me without writing or anything about how to work out circumferences of circles and you know stuff like that. So, oh my goodness! Yeah. There you go. There you so go. So we had one of the um, listeners saying it would be nice to have an information pool with all the children doing interviews with them, so that kids can also connect with each other easier. And what I heard about you doing, you know, is the sign language and the music and the charts. Is there? like a central depository where we can go in and um, support those kids, you know, whatever art or science that they're doing? Well, at the moment there isn't. I mean, there's the conscious youth um, that a lovely lady I know is, is organising that where these children connect over the internet. I'm connecting some children physically because one of the biggest things for them is feeling different to their peers. They don't feel they can be themselves. And I've been able to connect certain families that way but I would love to, to at some point would be to have a place where children could come together and they could uh, work together to do what they've come here to do and we provide the environment for them to do what they've come here to do so in fact it would be them teaching us rather than the other way around showing us what they need so they can do what they've come here to do I've always believed that's the way forward with these children a center that would provide that. But I'm sure it will happen because there are many awake educators and psychologists and uh, parents that are all looking and seeking now new ways to help their kids. So I think something will happen. I just feel it. I feel it will. And however it's meant to. So 
yeah, that's one, one thing that we can all envisage. Is actually yeah. the thing is, you have to understand the, the game of Monopoly. So, the game's played with money. So, somehow or another, people have to come together and uh, pool their financial resources to play this game in order yeah. to be able to educate and, and bring forth both grandparents, all yeah. three generations, isn't it? Oh well, Alex has just Alex has just said he will do a Facebook group. Hey, that's wonderful. Alex actually already runs the um, Lemurian and Five D group, so and he's hey. a lot younger than us, so he's well yeah. played. Okay, bridge, bridge. He's in Austria, huh? yeah. He's in Austria, but he does a lot of work in the US. Children's Star Seed. There you go. Yeah, and no, it will come together. There's, there'll be those that have that mandate. That will come and and start it up. All I can do, we're all doing our bit in different ways. You're doing yours in this wonderful way of sharing um, and getting the information out there. And it's all all putting the pieces together, isn't it? And I trust it will happen because I don't see how it can't. Well, you've got to do it with um, humour, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. As you said, the kids can pick up on the fact that you're open, gregarious. You know. Well, they'll read you. That's the thing, you know. They'll see your frequency, and they know who they can trust and who they can't trust. That's the fascinating thing. I mean, I, I still love this little seven-year-old talking to me, and he said, "You know, I can speak dolphin." And I said, "Can you?" He said, "Do you want to hear it?" So I said, "Yes, please." So he then does all the clicks and what have you of the dolphin, and then he told me about seeing Bigfoot that were used to come and visit him as well, a teenage big Bigfoot. And he said, and the granddad Bigfoot, he said, is all white and it comes to visit him as well. Just naturally, just as, would you like to know about this? This is what I saw. This is what I know. And the fascinating thing with the dolphins is a lot of the, some of the beings, their skin feels like dolphin skin. So I think some of the, the, and there's a, often a suggestion that the dolphins are an extraterrestrial species anyway. Um, so I, I, it sort of all connects a little bit as well. Yeah, just actually just getting, I mean, dolphins and uh, octopi as well. I'm just thinking, Jeff, why don't, you know, if there's some of the kids are in Australia, if we sort of, if you, <laughs> radio show, a channel where they could. <laughs> I can tell you stories about dolphins. I call them in. I tell you, Jeff, one of the interesting things was when I did a past life regression with a gentleman who told me that he was at the time of Atlantis. And then he said to me, but I was a dolphin. So he was at that time, but he wasn't human, which I found was quite fascinating when he it, it just came out out like that. And I'm sure you've come across all sorts of fascinating things when you do the past lives, you know, where. They um, show you just amazing, amazing things. And it just opens you up to this enormous, this incredible um, uh, uh, possibilities of who and what we are and, and what we can be. I think that's the thing I've enjoyed the most with what I've done is it's constantly stretching me to open myself up to more and more. I think that's the, that's the, the bouquet for me. That's the yeah, thing. And I think it ties in with this concept, you know, of the avatar where in this lifetime we as humans are combining all our talents on different timelines. Yeah. And, um, you know, almost like forging or alchemizing it so that we can, for once and all, sort of break free from from the noose and, and um, clean up, 
you know everything that we've created in the past collectively on our learning learning journey yeah and Mary, we're going to sign off now but i'll tell you what i love you mate i love your work i feel your energy it's just awesome and um let's go back here to those grandparents um they can get hold of you without their sons or daughters yeah <laughs> thanks Jeff. i appreciate it and you julia thank you so much for inviting me guys it's been an absolute pleasure oh, um, julia. No, I'm really pleased. I know, Mary, you speak internationally and you're in a lot of demand, so I really appreciate your coming onto the show and you know sharing your your passion with it. It's very inspiring. Oh, just down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's been a lovely evening. It's been well worth talking to you um, in spades. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And thank you and good night to our listeners as well.